This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. The following is a message from the Legal Eagles Network. Are you eligible for a monthly Social Security disability check? Did you know you've been paying for it your entire life out of every paycheck? You could be eligible for up to $3,000 a month. Here's managing partner Sam Pond. And I would suggest that the vast majority, not 100%, but pretty damn close, of all those members that are retiring from one of the building trades or another union, that they're eligible for a Social Security disability check when they retire at 50, 53, 55, 58, 60, even into their mid 60s or in the early 60s, and that that could pay them $36,000 per year. Let Pond Lee Hockey help you find the answers to this question. Are you eligible for Social Security Disability? You have nothing to lose except what you're entitled to receive. Go to PondLeeHockey.com. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. An Odyssey Station. The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to The Labor Show with J-Doc and Krause. As we come to you, big show, J-Doc, a very important show, uh, a very serious show. We're going to talk today uh, about an energy special, uh, nothing short of an energy crisis. It is on the front page, and everyone around the region should listen to this entire show. No question about it, Joe. Uh, everybody will be impacted by this. I feel like we're in a movie where uh, the, the general public doesn't know what's going on, and we're right about to get hit by a tidal wave. And so uh, on this show, listeners are going to hear terms and acronyms such as RINs, Renewable Identification Number, or, and RFS, which stands for Renewable Fuel Standard. Those are terms and acronyms that nobody's ever heard before. They're about to hit us like a, a, a lead balloon. Uh, make no mistake about it. Uh, they're, they're, they're at the center of issues that are so important that they will harshly, literally impact the jo- our jobs, our economy, our fuel p- prices. The general public will, f- will feel this at the pump. The existence of our refineries and our energy independence and possibly even our national security. If something isn't done about it, uh, these issues uh, very soon. I would say the next time you pull up to a gas pump, think of the acronym RINs. We'll try and explain it over the next two hours. Got an incredible uh, guest list that are going to join us. This is a two-hour labor special here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're dealing with the energy crisis. Here is our outline of guests for you. Herman Seedorf, who's the senior vice president and head of refining for PBF Energy. Congressman Donald Norcross, first congressional district of New Jersey. Brendan Williams, PBF Energy head of government relations. 
Adam Gattuso from Monroe Energy, Government Affairs and Communications, John Bland, our good friend, business manager from Boilermakers Local 13, Mike Hackendorn, VP Delaware Building Trades and also the business manager of Steamfitters Local 74 in Delaware, Mike Karlovich, VP Communications of PBF, and Michael Capone, Refinery Manager, Delaware City Refinery Company. We're broadcasting from Delaware City, so we're here, J-Doc, we're right in the heart of it. Um, as Adam Catuso said in the pre-show conversation, uh, this is nine years. He's been with his facility for nine years. This battle is now coming to fruition. Let's jump right in. No, no question about it. And, what, and, and, and to elaborate on something that people can relate to, everybody's complaining about the, uh, our, our gas prices going to the pump. This is one of those reasons. And it's just going to keep skyrocketing. Uh, what I want to do is I'm, I, I want to bring into the program and first brendan williams how are you brendan good how are you doing thanks for having me well it's great to have you this is our our second broadcast on this issue and it's really and it gets more important all the time if you would uh explain if you can in layman's terms what rins are and what are what is the rfs sure uh, happy to do it and thanks again for having me i appreciate you guys being here at our refinery really a critical issue at a critical juncture. Uh, the renewable fuel standard, uh, while it sounds like it's something that's meant to push renewable fuel into the marketplace, all it's really doing is raising costs for consumers and for independent refiners, raising your price at the pump, and putting jobs at risk, frankly. Uh, it was passed in 2005 and then expanded in 2007, and the energy landscape was different then. We thought gasoline consumption was going to keep going up and up forever. So they mandated a very specific volume of biofuel to be blended into the fuel supply. But then they set up this crazy credit system for how to do that. Uh, and while it's really complicated, in short, uh, a good analogy for what we're going to talk about is uh, ticket scalping. So, uh, and, and I'll get there in a second, but at its core, the renewable fuel standard requires a certain amount of biofuel be physically blended into the fuel supply, but that can't happen at a refinery. You can't ship it in a pipeline. Is that before it goes into the car? Before it goes into the car. So those big wholesale distribution terminals where the trucks pull up to a rack and, and the fuel gets dumped into it, that's where all the mixing happens. So those big facilities are where the biofuel can get blended. It doesn't actually happen here at the refinery. You can't do it. You can't ship the stuff in the pipeline. The mixture doesn't hold. Uh, despite that reality, the law actually makes refiners responsible for, for showing this blending occurs, even if they're not in the blending business, even if they don't own those big wholesale distribution terminals uh, further down the supply chain, if they don't have positions at them, they don't control the last mile access to the consumer. Uh, so... You make refiners responsible for um, complying with the program. How do you comply? Every time a biofuel gallon is blended with a gasoline gallon, a credit is created. It's called a renewable identification number or a RIN. And refiners have to collect these credits and hand them in. They have to collect a certain amount of credits to show compliance. But you're not actually doing the mixing of the fuel. We're not doing the mixing. We have no control over physically getting the credits. So my analogy was, I was talking to, to Adam uh, this morning when we were uh, coming into the broadcast, 
it, it just it, it, something that the listener would understand would you know kind of like you're talking about the scalpers but you also talked about rum and coke right imagine uh, the manufacturer of the actual liquor okay you exactly. buy it you, you buy it at the store but but you get a, impacted by how many times the bar actually makes the drink even though you have nothing to do with it exactly you sell them the actual fuel the, the liquor they make it yet you're responsible uh you know for what they do that seems kind of you know ridiculous yeah it is and it's and because to use your great example the the liquor distributor has to buy the credits from the bartender despite whether or not he's making the dr- enough drinks so they could drive the price up as much as they want and that's what we're seeing with RINs right now so these these credits these renewable identification numbers you know the there's the mandate actually requires way too much ethanol that you can actually stick into the fuel supply because your engine can't handle it, gas pumps can't handle it. So the, the guys doing the blending know that, and they have the credits and can just drive up the prices. And so we saw the price of these things go from $0.10 cents last January to almost $2 earlier this year. That's a 2,000% increase. And to emphasize the impact that has on both the refinery and consumers, a company like PBF Energy, we're spending more on RINs than we are to run six refineries than on all other operating costs combined. Brendan, do the math for me. I'm not very good at the number. Sure. That percentage or that increase is equivalent to a monumental financial obligation that falls back on the refinery that puts the refinery in jeopardy of being able to remain in existence. Yeah, if you're spending more on false paper credits than you are to operate six refineries, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to show that's not sustainable. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's independent refiners across the country in the same situation. Um, they are at risk. And these things are also adding anywhere from 20 to 30 cents a gallon to the cost of fuel. So there's two entities paying for this. Merchant refiners are essentially independent refiners like PBF Energy are, are paying and a lot of times their competitors for these credits, and then the consumer's paying it at the pump as well. So it's putting, you know, it's raising fuel costs, it's putting jobs and fuel supplies at risk, and something certainly needs to be done to address the situation sooner rather than later. So let's bring John Bland in um, to, the, to the broadcast. John, um, if you would tell us uh, what, what, what's been going on with this issue. We've been talking about it for quite some time, and it impacts a lot of people. You've, you've uh, been on this for quite a while. I appreciate it. Joe Doc, uh, Joe Krause, thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, this has uh, impacted our industry, uh, blue-collar workers, tremendously. Uh, the first time I started getting a little educated with uh, the RFS, the Renewable Fuel uh, Standard, was probably about... Uh, four or five years ago when Herman Seerdorf talked about it at one of the tripartites. And, and I, at first, I, I thought it was a little bit of BS it, and didn't look too much into it. And all of a sudden, it started hitting home when you seen the loss of the PES refinery. Yeah. And, and you dig into it more and more, they couldn't sustain because of the RINs, the, the renewable fuel standard. It's putting our refineries out of business. The blue-collar workers in the northeast area here are now having to search for work around the country because they're leaving. And this is a matter of national security. And if this program doesn't get fixed, it's going to put more refineries out of business. And that's not going to be if, it's when. If this doesn't change. And, and so, and know. just to magnify that a little bit, yeah. the refinery goes out of business. Uh, so I want everybody to think about this. You've got the workers that are working in the refinery, 
You've got the contractors that are doing business at the refinery. You've got the community that's benefiting from the workers and the contractors that are coming to the community. And you've got all the revenue that's being generated, auxiliary revenue, that's falling outside of all of this. And I think that in itself is worth, is noteworthy. And I want people, I want the public, J-Doc, when this is over in... In, in 115 more minutes, I want everybody to understand it. Yeah, I mean, what, what's really scary is um, it's so hard to understand, and, peop- and it's going on right under our nose. People can actually do something about it. It's costing us more at the pump. It's going to cost jobs and our communities, and not to mention, where are we getting our fuel after we lose our refineries? And it'll be coming from overseas, Joe. That's right. And, 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 and some, some of those places are not very nice places. So now we're going to be going to people we might someday be at odds with, and they're going to be controlling our oils, our, our, our energy uh, supplies, all of our fuel uh, supplies, and we can do something about it right now. And it's just happening because we're not, nobody knows what's going on. It's right. just, it's crazy. One of the things I'm really happy about is we now, at this table, you mentioned over the next 115 minutes, Joe, we have have the region's uh, most knowledgeable and in influential individuals that are going to be joining us on the broadcast, and 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 certainly uh, the loss of jobs, John. You, you know, you see, you 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 you're, you're looking at it. I've never met anybody that wears it on his sleeve like you do. Um, and you know, you you're not one of those people that puts puts something under the pillow and pretends like the bad man's not there. You look at it in the face every day. What are your members saying? My members were scared to death. I bring this up in my union meeting all the time. Between the RFS program and the Reggie, which is affecting us, it's attack on the fossil Let's industry. Let's not forget the environmentalists oh. that, are, that are pulling the sheets over our eyes, think, right. letting people well, think we can just well, go well, this, with windmills. Correct. But this ethanol has got nothing to do with environmentalists. No, this no program question. started because they thought we were going to have a shortage of gas. It was easy to offset. And the other thing, too, everybody knows this program is broken and needs to be fixed. Now, there's already been position letters for reform from already elected officials, Governor Phil Murphy, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, Senator Pat Toomey, Senator Bob Casey, the Congress of Pennsylvania, Delaware Congressional Delegates, New Jersey Senate, and the General Assembly. I mean, the easy fix is changing the point of obligation, making sure all our refineries are on the same playing field. Changing the point of obligation to the blenders puts everybody on an even keel. We don't want to, you know, we're not we're not stopping the ethanol. They're still going to sell their product to the, to the blenders. Everything's coming in. Ethanol, the corn industry, will not be hurt. The only thing is this is going to be taken away of a commodity. You're not going to kill the refineries by driving up the price. Well, I'll tell you, it um, seems like it's ass backwards, man, to put it bluntly, Joe Krause. Brennan, let me get the last word from you, if I can, before we take our first break. Sure. No, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. The, you know, something needs to be done. There is a better solution. You know, don't, you don't have to have the liquor liquor distributor dependent on what's going on in the bar. You yeah, can just exactly. make sure that the bar has to be the one to comply. And, uh, and and that's what John's talking about in terms of making the people responsible for complying, the people who actually have control over getting this stuff to the consumer. All right, good stuff from Brendan Williams, PBF Energy, Head of Government Relations, and John Bland, Business Manager, Boilermakers Local 13, kicking us off on this two-hour energy special as we come to you from uh, Delaware uh, at the refinery. On the other side of our first commercial break, Herman Seedorf, Senior Vice President and Head of Refining for PBF Energy, Congressman Donald Norcross, First Congressional District of New Jersey. Both will join us after the break. 
Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW 1776, and Sheet Metal Workers Local 19. Today's program has been pre-recorded. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. I'm back here on The Labor Show with Jadock and Krause as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Two-hour special today, Doc. our two-hour energy special. We kicked it off with Brendan Williams and John Bland. We're going to transition into our next two segments. Herman Seedorf, Senior Vice President and Head of Refinering for PBF Energy, and Congressman Donald Norcross, 1st Congressional District of New Jersey. Uh, we're going to get into dialogue under Understanding and try and figure out how we can convince the listening audience, which is just one part of this equation, to react. We want a call to action. When the show is over, I want people to understand. I want them to think about RINs when the next time they pull up to a gas pump, and I want them to react. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. And and, and we've been fortunate to have support on the issue uh, from members of Congress on, on both sides of the aisle, New Jersey and Pennsylvania, Delaware. And, and, and certainly at the forefront of that is Congressman Donald Norcross, um, who has been a huge champion uh, on the issue for us. And of course... Um, uh, Herman, you, you, you've uh, this. This has hit you right at your heart, and we talked about this. That the, the, the devastating impacts of what's uh, of the potential of what, what's going on here cannot be understated. Uh, that, that's correct. And uh, before uh, before I say anything, first I want to thank uh, Doc, you, Joe, for uh, bringing this to light and get, getting this on the table and bringing some transparency to this very critical issue, not just to us uh, and our business, but I think to our economy, to the consumers, and to the, uh, to the people in the Northeast. And I also want to thank Congressman uh, Norcross. He's been a terrific supporter uh, for our industry. He's been a terrific supporter for our refineries. And he's got a long legacy in our refineries since he's worked there personally uh, for many years before he became a congressman representing uh, many people in the area. So this type of support is just invaluable and it's greatly appreciated. So, uh, so yeah, this, this, uh, this issue, uh, it really is critical to, to be solved. Um, it, I'd like to step back and maybe talk a little bit. You've, uh, you talked about in the first segment a little bit about RINs and the program and how it works and how devastating it is. I can assure you it's devastating. I think it's important we put things in context. So as we look at the Northeast and we look at how do we, how do our, our folks in the Northeast get gasoline and diesel fuel, where does it come from? I think it's first to put this in context. Uh, we... As refiners in the Northeast just supply a small portion of what's being supplied to the gasoline stations today. We supply maybe 20% of the product that people are consuming in the Northeast. About 40%, and these numbers are about right, they're not exact, I haven't looked at them uh, recently to tell you they're exact, but about 40% of all the gasoline and diesel fuel being consumed in the Northeast is coming from Texas and Louisiana in very large pipelines. We have, lo- we have large refineries down there, and they, they basically make more product than they need for their region, and they send it up to the, to the northeast on these uh, large pipelines. By the way, these large pipelines do have interruptions, 
and they've had one recently. Yeah. One of the pipelines is called the Colonial Pipeline, and it was interrupted. And I can assure you that if we didn't have some refineries in the Northeast, that there would have been gas lines in the Northeast, in Maryland, in Delaware, in New Jersey, just like there's been, there were North lines throughout the Southeast portion of the country. That would have happened. Um, the other 40%, so I got to 60, the other 40% comes from foreign countries. We're importing diesel and gasoline in larger and larger quantities, and we've been doing that over time. I have to tell you, there are, are, there are countries out there, China, India, Middle East, they are constructing, as we speak, export refineries. And they call them export refineries because their intention is to make products and displace refiners in Europe and North America to displace their capacity, and they, will, they want to become the suppliers of all the petroleum project, uh, products going forward. Obviously, that has significant national security concerns. Congressman Norcross has been all over that. He's been the one who's been actually touting that the loudest and the longest, and it's appreciated because it needs to be recognized that that is a significant security issue, as well as jobs, and obviously it has consumer, uh, uh, consumer implications too. So um, I wanted to put that context on. Sure, no question about it. Well, first of all, uh, Congressman Norcross, welcome to the broadcast. Um, it's great to be here. As my backyard, I'm looking at the different units here. Reminds me of uh, when I was active with the tools. Uh, obviously, we had the sister plant down in Paulsboro, but. Uh, as I like to tell my kids and remind them that um, when they were young, they would drive by Paul's Brown. There was a certain aroma that you could pick up on, and uh, they would make a comment. I said, that's daddy. No, that's the smell of your college education. <laughs> that's funny. And it was. Yeah, that- two of my kids... That's what helped put them in college, and the third one is the electrician. Well, well, well so this issue is home. Oh, yeah. And no question. And really, it, 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 it impacts us all. Uh, obviously, we want to thank you for your support on this issue. We've, uh, this is our second broadcast uh, that we've had on it. And um, talk about a, a, a number of the things that, that, that you're involved in, in in dealing with this, because a lot of your colleagues don't understand it. And and you were uh, helping to put it at the forefront. Well, it can be quite complicated, especially when we get into the RINS program and the way it was set up and the way it's operating today, and which is creating winners and losers. And obviously, we're going to get into that. But let's back up energy for our country. Uh, you know, years ago, we imported the vast majority. We are now supplying the bulk of energy when it comes to uh, oil-based products. But what we just heard, and Herman stated it, and it's so true, is there are disruptions that come, uh, whether it's through our Colonial Pipeline, which I worked on, know it well. It's been at capacity for years. There's two interruptions. There was the hack, which shut it down yep. for a week, but it was also the hurricane that hit Texas and Louisiana, shut down their capacity. These units don't turn on and off with a switch. They take a considerable amount of time to shut down and to start up. So when that hurricane hit, there was a disruption for weeks in which anybody in the Northeast knew that was a big problem. Now, in Jersey, it didn't hit us as hard, but particularly in Maryland and parts of Delaware, 
There were shortages. Trucks weren't there. What does that mean to the average man and woman? My gas station doesn't have gas. And with all this refining capacity in the Northeast, or as it used to be, we could take care of that without interruptions. With the shutting down of different units throughout the Northeast, we have a real problem. And that's the second item I'm working on is from a national defense. Obviously, we care about the commercial sector and residential and how we provide for them that fuel to get to work each and every day. But we also, Dover right here in Delaware, we have the joint base whose main mission is to run refueling missions around the world, particularly in the Middle East. We can't afford to have that disrupted. And when you have a pipeline that's at capacity, you have to be able to not only refine the fuel, but you need to move it to the place that's needed. So in this year's what's called the NDAA, National Defense Authorization uh, Act, we passed it. I included language in there to have a study done on the implications of uh, the threat to our ability to get fuel to places we need for the protection of our country. So we would expect that to happen over the course of the next year. Very complicated, and they have to look into it, but it's a big deal. But in the meantime, um, the cost of the RINs are almost cripple, uh, crippling our, our refineries. And, you know, what 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 is are, are the solutions in regards to making this a timely issue so that we don't end up, you know, you, you talk about, uh, you know, our, our, our planes and, 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 you know, especially our defense, um, you know, being the victim of, of losing our refineries and having to depend on foreign entities to supply, um, you know, not only this, we're not just talking about our gas tanks, our gas tanks, you know, at the pump, but we're talking about our, you know, we've talked about it on the last show and, and, and you're a huge proponent of making sure this doesn't happen, but we're, you know, our, our, our defense depending on foreign entities for our fuel for our planes. Over the course of the last 18 months under the pandemic, we have, as a country have learned of so many supply chains interruptions critical supply chain, which, whether it's a chip for a vehicle or so many of the other items, that got halted. We don't control our supply chain in many of these areas. And what area is more critical to keep our country running than what we're talking about here? So what does it mean for the guy who's picking up a cup of coffee at Wawa down the street here? What the hell is a RIN? How did we get here? Right. Real simply, it is disrupting the way that we provide energy to the hundreds of thousands of Americans that live in our area. Quite frankly, it was set up so that the fuel that was being produced from refineries would have the ethanol added to it. One of the uniqueness of ethanol is it does not do well in pipelines and it has to be blended close to the point of distribution. So, real simply, what this means is refine the product, in this case in Delaware, but when you go to transport, let's call it gasoline for this conversation, when you get to the price at the pump, it has to be blended there to go into the car. We have no problem, generally, making sure ethanol is part of this equation. We got it. The certificates that come with the RINs were there to ensure that a check and balance, I'm making it a little bit simpler than it sure. is, that in order to make that fuel 
refine it, you had to buy a certificate. Yeah. Well, nobody thought that price would be a problem back 25 years ago when this concept first came up. But give uh, American ingenuity, we can make a buck out of anything. That became a commodity. commodity. And that price went from not insignificant, but a number that people could live with up over 2,000% because they understand the refineries need to get these in order to produce one barrel of gas. And if you can't do that, we're dead in the water. So, still complicated. Try to explain that to my colleagues. I was on the phone with uh, Representative Lisa Blunt Rochester on the way over, uh, who was obviously cares very much about this plant, but uh, we had served together on armed services a few years ago, and she understands the disruption. You know, the idea that I'm looking around here, who was around in the 70s when we used to wait in line to get gasoline? It was not a pleasant time in this country. In Jersey, just for your folks, everybody had two sets of plates. They had an odd day and an even day, so we could always get our gas. <laughs> just kidding out there. I don't for recall. Those. <laughs> but those are the days we never want to be back to. You know, the Middle East controlling the way our country ran. Especially when we can do something about it. We have complete control. We understand energy is changing. Sure. But we got to get there, and we will not get there unless we keep this problem from literally taking over our country. And Congressman Donald Norcross joining us here um, on our two-hour special of the Energy Show, along with Herman Seedorf, Senior VP, Head of Refining for PBF Energy. Herman, let me bring you into the dialogue. Let me get you to comment on um, what I thought was a great, very simple way for the listening audience to be able to comprehend what we're saying. And again, the mission at the end of this two-hour special is for people to be able to understand what it means. But when I hear the congressman say, and I think it was mentioned by Brendan in the opening segment, 2,000%, that to me is significant. It definitely is. And uh, uh, to, to put some numbers around what the congressman uh, just talked about, when this program was first initiated, again, this was intended to be an accounting system, not to be a commodity. And that was never the legislative intent. Uh, and the congressman said it very well. Uh, we're very, uh, as a society, we find ways of making commodities out of everything. So it, when we first started the program, the price of a RIN to, to basically get that and to turn it back over to the EPA was $0.10 cent a RIN gallon. It's reached as high as $2 a RIN gallon. So what's that mean to us as a refinery? If you look at how much it, it costs to, to run a refinery, the people costs, the, um, the, the maintenance costs, the cost for the chemicals that we need to run, all of the, uh, all of the people we bring in for support, the price of the RIN and what we're buying has doubled the cost of our doing business. So if you just take out the cost of the raw material, the, the crude oil we buy, and you put that aside and say everything else you need to run a refinery, if that costs you $5, the RIN just doubled that to $10. It's, that's what it's done to the business. And, you, and one thing we should make very clear, who gets that extra $5 it doesn't go to it doesn't go to the government that $5 goes to large integrated oil companies large retail chains and wall street traders 
because it's a commodity and that's what they've turned it into. So all of this, these billions of dollars of RINs dollars, they don't even come to our government. It goes to people and it creates winners and losers. I just told you the winners. Now the losers are two. The losers are merchant refiners who don't blend because that's not what we do. We, we manufacture the base gasoline and diesel fuel. We don't blend uh, uh, ethanol or other renewables into our gasoline. That's done by others. And the other loser are the consumer. And so the consumer, as we speak, is paying somewhere between 20 and 30 cents a gallon more for gasoline, which I know is a priority for the administration. We've said that over and over. There's 20 to 30 cents a gallon in the price of gasoline, but nobody knows it. It's hidden, but it's not going to the government. It's going to the winners, and those who are the winners are. Herman, do you think it's um, the fact that, uh, obviously, they, you know, the, the fact that they look at refiners uh, as the 10,000-pound gorilla, and, and there's no sympathy there because, uh, you know, you guys are the, you know, you, you corporate conglomerates, and, 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 and uh, at the same time, um, you're standing there jumping up and down going, listen, this is risking us. We're, you know, we've doubled our costs uh, of operating, and pretty soon, you know, we're not going to be able to withstand it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I don't think people uh, have an appreciation for an independent refiner, how competitive a business that is. And I, and I think the best way to describe that to the general public is, in the Northeast today, there are three refining centers left. There's our refining center, which is a, which, where we've combined the Delaware City refinery, where we're sitting today with the Paulsboro refinery. Phillip 66 has a refinery up in northern New Jersey in Bayway. And there's one other refinery we have uh, with us, Adam Gattuso. Uh, it's the Monroe Refinery in Philadelphia. That is the only refining capacity left. What do we used four, to have? Four major centers have gone away. There was a refinery. There are two refineries in the Philadelphia area that are gone and will never or never will come back. There's two refineries in New Jersey that are gone and never will come back. So four have gone, and there's three remaining. So. If you're in a very lucrative, competitive business, that doesn't happen. This is a very competitive business. Let me give the audience something to think about. We'll take a short break. We'll come back on the other side with Congressman Donald Norcross and Herman Seedoffer and continue our uh, conversation. Something to think about as we go into the break. $2 a gallon, 200,000 gallons a day, a week, whatever the number is, mm -hmm. you're looking at in excess of $50 million in RINs that has to be paid by a refinery that's employing people, uh, contractors are doing business at the refinery, the community's benefiting from all the people that come here, and the end result of all of that is if the refinery leaves or the refinery can't sustain the balance or sustain the number, which appears to me like it's going to continue to go up, everybody loses, including the public. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, and Steam Fitters Local 420. Today's program has been pre-recorded. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. 
I'm back here on the Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. It's our two-hour special, a two-hour energy special. J. Doc visiting uh, right now with Congressman Donald Norcross, First Congressional District of New Jersey. Thank you, sir, for coming here. Um, so thrilled to learn about your uh, continuous work in this battle. Uh, thanks a million, Herman Seedorf, Senior Vice President and Head of Refining for uh, the PBF Energy. J. Doc, uh, dialogue's good. Let's keep it going. Remember. It's a two-hour special uh, tonight, and I encourage the listening audience, if you miss any of it, download the podcast um, and listen to the information that is being delivered. This just doesn't affect the workers at the refinery. It doesn't affect everybody here. It affects everybody. No question about it. And uh, Congressman Norcross, talk about the end game. Um, you know, your plan, um, you know, to, to, to have uh, Washington do something about this before, it, you know, it, it breaks our backs here. Well, certainly it's something that we've been working on. And the conversation I had earlier, it's rather difficult and complicated. So I'm going to make it as simple as it can be. You heard about the refineries that used to be on Delaware. I've worked in virtually every refinery chemical plant up and down this river. I know how critically important it is and the skill sets that are needed to make it operate and do it safely. You call it the labor show. I see my friends from the UA and the boilermakers, but there's electricians, carpenters. These are the skilled craftsmen who help keep these refineries running. It is rather unique in the labor world because the skill sets that we learn here are transferable anywhere in the country, and that's why we have the reputation of having the best. The administration in Washington talks about making sure that the middle class has a shot at it. Well, what better example of where the middle class is getting a shaft than these RINs? Uh, the boys up on Wall Street are making major dollars out of these commodities that never were designed for it. So what we're doing, and the New Jersey delegation just uh, sent a letter actually uh, on uh, this morning to EPA administrator talking specifically how to fix the RINs program. That means both senators and every member of Congress, with the exception of the chairman of the energy uh, committee who it's uh, not a good idea to send himself a letter, but he certainly understands it, and that's normal course. Well, we all understand that there's a change in the way that energy is going to be distributed in this country. Climate change is real. It's not coming. It's here. But the idea is somehow we're going to throw a switch and everything's just going to transition right. is not going to happen. It's ridiculous. We saw the colonial pipeline shut down, the interruptions. That's just a glimpse of what can happen if this continues to go bad. So here we are in Delaware, uh, but New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and certainly all the way up are vulnerable to supply chain interruptions. We saw what happened during the pandemic. It continues to go on. So we're asking them, take that profit, excess profit motive out of the commodity and turn it back in the way it was designed, and that is for accounting. We are absolutely on board with the ethanol standards, making it a cleaner fuel. Great. Uh, there's some folks out in the Midwest who are trying to make this even a little bit more difficult that somehow we're trying to pull the ethanol out of it. It's to confuse because the boys making all the bucks out there is why it hasn't changed so far. During the Trump administration, he bragged about he was going to change this. He was going to make it fair. 
And then he found out he's got uh, his billionaire friends on both sides of this equation, and nothing happened. That's the winners and losers part. Well, they're the winner and losers, but the real losers are the ones who buy it at the pump. Us. Right, right, yeah. of course. So that's why we're going to try to do it, because we have to keep the industrial base running. You know, it's what keeps our economy going. For those of us who were around in the 70s, it was incredibly disruptive when gas doesn't flow. Elaborate further on, on um, the individuals that are pushing back on this, that want to continue this, because it sounds to me like foreign entities would have as much to gain in this area as possible. So, I mean, in other words, uh, you know, we're, we're getting hit pretty hard here. And it, on our home base from states that, uh, you know, have, have a, uh, you know, a, a benefit at not seeing this happen, and also foreign, foreign-wise, who's pushing this hard? Well, A, you heard earlier uh, the percentage of refined product that comes up from Texas, Louisiana. Those are pipelines. They have vulnerabilities. They're at capacity. We always were able to operate and have a supply chain that was critical but steady. Now what we're seeing is because of RINs, we have refineries closing, and that's A, the first problem. They're closing, then if there is a disruption, we're done. But the second one is refined products themselves coming in directly from overseas. Right. They undercut, they don't have this sort of regulation to protect the air as we do, so they cut our prices, put more refineries out of business, and then what happens? They bump the price up, and we can't fight them. God forbid we go into war, and we got to depend on another country to send us refueled uh, or refined products. Big problem. So, A, for the average American, you want to make sure your country's defended, and you can fly those planes. During the last Iraq war, we saw what came out of here, and between Dover and our joint base, those products came from right here. We can't afford not to have that. And then the price. Oh, my God. This wasn't designed to make money for the big guys. Let's share it. I think the administration has it right. Uh, we can all do this together. Uh, Herman, if you would, talk about uh, if you had a magic wand today, um, what, what is the path to, to, to uh, you know, least resistance here? Sure. Uh, and there are some very simple solutions to this thing, uh, which Congressman is very familiar with. So first thing... We, we refer to these piece of paper called a RINs as a commodity. And again, that's what we're talking about, a piece of paper that's now a commodity. So every commodity, the price is determined by supply-demand balance. So the supply gets generated when uh, renewable fuel gets blended into the finished product and the RIN appears, and that's where the supply comes from. The demand is dictated by something the EPA issues every year, and it's called a RVO, Renewable Volume Obligation. So that is what dictates how much renewable fuel will go into our overall fuel supply. So if you set that RVO too high, what happens is the demand is higher than the supply, and this is what happens, the RIN price goes up. So very simply, the EPA has legislative authority under, under the regulation to basically lower the RVO and say, I'm going to make the supply-demand balance balanced, and that will bring the price of this crazy piece of paper called a RIN down. Didn't something? Didn't they put out their 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 uh, 
In, in August, wasn't that wasn't that set in August with, with the EPA? Uh, well, it gets set. It's supposed to get it set every year, but they're kind of late in setting at this point in time. So right now, the 2020 RVO was set. Let me just say though, it was set before the pandemic and before all of the demand destruction that took place. So again, they envisioned a certain amount of of RIN supply would happen because they, they assumed a certain amount of demand would be there and right, diesel. Then you have a pandemic and it goes away and the supply goes away. Can I just... Sure. This is the time we, I should have said it in the beginning. We hear all about the essential workers, the doctors, certainly the police. Our country ran because people came to work at this refinery each and every day in places like it. They put their life at risk and I just want to thank them for what they did. They kept us running. And the supply was there. Obviously, not people were driving that all that much. But, you know, that's really important. That's what we're dealing with here, people. Yeah, and, and, and it's amazing our workforce continues to do that. So, and, and we get hit from the side. Uh, I think that, you know, when, when, when you talk about this issue, and it is a complicated issue, um, with, in some senses, a, 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 a simple solution, uh, and we're going to talk about those uh, issues where, you know, we're going to have Adam Gattuso on in a little while, and, and, and obviously Brendan Williams back, and, and, and everybody on the broadcast, but, um, uh, you know, we got about a minute left. Uh, Congressman, if you would, um, parting words on this issue, and, and, and uh, I know you're carrying the torch on it, and we all appreciate it. Talk about what the next move is. Well, the next move is for the administration to make these simple changes, and they can be incremental. Obviously, we'd like them to change them overnight. Uh, about 10 days ago, the uh, White House put out a statement that they were ready to make some moves. It's been a little bit too quiet since then. We talked to the White House probably on a weekly basis to encourage them, but obviously there are other things going on in D.C., Sure, but this is pretty damn important. So we put this up there with infrastructure and building back better. And, and do they understand that, 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 that people are starting to get the, the, the words getting out because of individuals like yourself and, you know, Herman and the, uh, you know, what we're doing here today, that eventually this is not going to be, a, 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 you know, especially for the opponents of this, this isn't going to be a, a best kept secret anymore. This isn't going to be one of those things. I can imagine it being in the back room going, they don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, the word's getting out there. Can the general public also... Uh, you know, put some pressure on this situation. Call your senator, call your congressman. Absolutely best thing you can do. There you go. Congressman Donald Norcross joining us here in Delaware. Thank you, sir. Herman Seedorf, uh, thank you for joining us. We'll bring Herman back in before our two-hour energy special uh, concludes uh, as we take our uh, next break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. RINS, Renewable Identification Number. Back in a moment. 